This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these texts in their entirety, I will stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe through this beauty we can find truth and how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations. I would like some help. Let us begin. Last time, the rebels were defeated through a... uh, trick if not treachery and uh, we immediately find out though that uh, King Henry IV uh, appears to be very sick and perhaps dying and as Humphrey of Gloucester said this apoplexy will certainly be his end King I pray you take me up and bear me hence into some other chamber softly pray the king is carried to a bed on another part of the stage Back the text. Let there be no noise made, my gentle friends, unless some dull and favorable hand will whisper music to my weary spirit. Warwick to an attendant. Call for music in the other room. King. Set me the crown upon my pillow here. The crown is placed on the bed. Okay, this uh, could be somewhat uh, like the line, uneasy lies the head that went, that uh, wears uh, the crown. Uh, also, for some reason, this seems to be a, a hollow crown to me, too, that the, the crown is there, but he's not really wearing it. It's on a, upon the pillow, uh, but he is not wearing it, and the crown is placed on the bed. Thomas of Clarence aside to the others. His eye is hollow, and he changes much. Okay, his eye is hollow, perhaps, again, a reference to the hollow crown. Warwick, less noise, less noise. Enter Prince Harry. Okay, less noise when uh, when his boisterous son comes in. Let's see uh, what Harry does about this, though. Prince, who saw the Duke of Clarence, Thomas of Clarence weeping. I am here, brother, full of heaviness. Prince, how now, reign within doors and not abroad? How doth the king, Humphrey of Gloucester, exceeding ill? Prince, heard he the good news yet? Tell it him, Humphrey of Gloucester. He altered much upon the hearing it. Prince, if he be sick with joy, he'll recover without physic. Okay, physic there means a, a doctor, Warwick. Not so much noise, my lord. Sweet prince, speak low. The king, your father, is disposed to sleep. Thomas of Clarence, let us withdraw into the other room. Warwick, will it please your grace to go along with us, prince? No, I will sit and watch here by the king. All but the prince and king exit. Why doth the crown lie there upon his pillow, being so troublesome a bedfellow? Oh, polished per- perturbation, golden care, that keepest the ports of slumber open wide to many a watchful night. Sleep with it now, yet not so sound and half so deeply sweet as his, his brow with homely big and bound snores out the watch of night. Okay, and um, this is uh, somewhat foreshadowing, perhaps, um, some of the speeches in Henry V about how common people are sleep much better than the king does. 
Sleep with an out. Yeah, not so hat, not so sound and half so deeply sweet. It says his brow with homely big and brown snores out the watch of night. O oh, majesty, when thou dost pinch thy bearer, thou dost sit like a rich armor worn in heat of day that scaldest with safety. Okay, pinch thy bearer. Okay, so the the crown uh, is seen as being able to pinch uh, one. Um, but but then let's see how to sit like rich armor worn in heat of day that scald us with safety. So if you wear armor, you're going to be really hot. Um, scald us with safety like armor. Uh, back to the text. By his gates of breath, there lies a downy feather which stirs not. Did he surpire that light and weightless down perforce must move? My gracious Lord, my father. This sleep is sound indeed. This is a sleep that from this golden regal hath divorced so many English kings. Okay, so he's saying he's sleeping so soundly that he must be about to die. Back to the text. I do from me his tears and heavy sorrows of the blood, which nature, love, and filial tenderness shall, O oh dear father, pay thee plenteously. My due from thee is this imperial crown, which is immediate from thy place in blood derives itself to me he puts on the crown lo where it sits which god which god shall guard and put the whole world's whole strength and put the world's whole strength into one giant arm it shall not force this lily on or from me this from thee will i to mine leave as tis left to me okay so he's saying that he owes his father um sadness at his passing, tears and heavy sorrows of the blood. And his father owes him at his passage the crown. He goes ahead and puts it on and says he'll leave it to his son as well. Um, of course, Hal was a bit premature here. He exits with the crown, king rising up on his bed. Warwick Gloucester, Clarence. Enter Warwick Gloucester, Clarence, and others. Thomas of Clarence, doth the king call? Warwick, what would your majesty? How fair is your grace? King, why did you leave me here alone, my lords? Thomas of Clarence, we left the prince, my brother here, my liege, who undertook to sit and watch by you. King, the prince of Wales? Where is he? Let me see him. He is not here. Warwick, this door is open. He has gone this way. Humphrey of Gloucester, he came not through the chamber where we stayed. King, where is the crown? Who took it from my pillow? Warwick, when we withdrew, my liege, we left it here. King, the prince hath taken it hence. Go seek him out. Is he so hasty that he suppose my sleep my death? Find him, my lord of Warwick. Chide him hither. Warwick exit. As part of his conjoins with my disease and helps to end me. See, sons, what things you are. How quickly nature falls into revolt when gold becomes her object. For this the foolish over-careful fathers have broke their sleep with thoughts, their brains with care, their bones with industry. For this they have engrossed it and piled up the cankered heaps of strange art achieved gold. For this they have been thoughtful to invest their sons with arts and martial exercises. When like the bee toiling from every flower, the virtuous sweets, our thighs packed with wax, our mouths with honey, we bring it to the hive and like the bees are murdered for our pains. Okay, so we get another image there of the bee in the hive. And here he says that the fathers are like, are like bees. Um, that, that work so hard to bring things back to the hive and then toiling from every flower. Um, 
they they are murdered for our pains. It is, I guess, when a legend might have been when a bee got old that uh that she was murdered, thrown out of the hive. This bitter taste yields his engrossments to the ending father. Enter Warwick. Okay, notice it's a bitter taste, and he was just talking about um, the bees, and uh, of course they're known for making sweet things. Enter Warwick. Uh, still the king. Now, where is he that will not stay so long till his friend's sickness hath determined me? Warwick. My lord, I found the prince in the next room, washing with kindly tears his gentle cheeks. With such a deep demeanor and great sorrow, that tyranny which never quaffed but blood, would by beholding him have washed his knife with knife with gentle eye drops. He is coming hither. So Warwick says, hey, the prince was crying, so don't worry, king. Back to the text, king. But wherefore did he take away the crown? Enter Prince Harry with a crown. Lo, where he comes, come hither to me, Harry. Depart the chamber. Leave us here alone. Gloucester, Clarence, Warwick, and others exit. Prince, I never thought to hear you speak again, King. Thy wish was father, Harry, to that thought. I stayed too long by thee. I weary thee. Dost thou so hunger for mine empty chair, that thou wilt needs that thou wilt needs invest thee with mine honors before thy hours be ripe? Okay, so the king is saying, he's not dead, you know, why did you take the crown? Oh, foolish youth, thou seekest the greatness that will overwhelm thee. Stay but a little, for my crown of dignity is held from falling with so weak a wind that it will quickly drop. My day is dim. Thou hast stolen that which after some few hours were thine without offense. And at my death thou hast sealed up my expectation. Thy life did manifest thou lovest me not. And thou wilt have me die assured of it. Thou hidst a thousand daggers in thy thoughts, whom thou hast whetted on thy stony heart to stab at half an hour of my life. Well, canst thou not forbear, forbear me half an hour? And get thee gone, and dig my grave thyself, and fear, bid the merry bells ring to thine ear, that thou art crowned, not that I am dead, let all the tears that should bedew my hearse be drops of balm to sanctify thy head. Only compound me with forgotten dust. Give that which gave thee life unto the worms. Pluck down my officers, break my decrees, for now a time has come to mock it form. Harry V is crowned. Up, vanity, down, royal state. All you sage counselors hence, and to the English court assemble now from every region, apes of idleness. Now neighbor confines, purge you of your scum. Have you a ruffian that will swear, drink, dance, revel the night, rob, murder, commit the oldest sins, the newest kind of ways? Be happy, he will trouble you no more. England shall double gild his treble guilt. England shall give him office, honor, might, for the fifth Harry from curbed license plucks the muzzle of restraint, and the wild dog shall flesh his tooth on every innocent. So uh, Henry the Fourth is saying Henry the Fifth is gonna is gonna let into office all kinds of ruffians and thieves and so forth, and uh, and England will suffer for it. Back to the text. Oh, my poor kingdom, sick with civil blows. Okay, that's all the revolts, I suppose. When that my care could not withhold thy riots, what will thou do when riot is thy care? Oh, thou wilt be a wilderness again, people with wolves, thy old inhabitants. So. Uh, Things are going to be so bad that wolves will take over England, Prince, placing the, placing the crown on the pillow. Oh, pardon me, my liege, but for my tears, the moist impediments under my speech, I had forestalled this dear and deep rebuke. 
Ere you with grief had spoke, and I had heard the course of it so far, there is your crown, and he that wears the crown immortally long guard at yours. Okay, so he who wears the crown immortally is is Jesus, and uh, he's saying that um, may Christ uh, grant him uh, many more years. He kneels. Uh, that's Prince Harry kneels. Back to the text, uh, Hal continues. If I affect it more than as your honor and as your renown, let me no more from this obedience rise, which my most inward, true, and duteous spirit teaches this prostate and exterior bending. God witness with me. When I here came in and found no course of breath within your majesty, how cold it struck my heart. If I do feign, oh, let me in my present wildness die and never live to show the incredulous world the noble change that I have purposed. Coming to look on you, thinking you dead, and dead almost, my liege, to think you were, I spake unto this crown as having sense, and thus upbraided it. The care on thee depending hath fed upon the body of my father. Therefore thou best of gold art worst of gold. Other less fine and carrot is more precious preserving life and medicine potable. But thou, most fine, most honored, most renowned, hast eat thy bearer up. Okay, so there he's saying the crown again. Is a, he dresses it as a living thing, and it said that um, even though it seems precious, it's eaten, it's, it's wearer up, um, or bearer up. Thus my most noble liege, accusing it, I put it on my head to try with it, as with an enemy that had before my face murdered my father, the quarrel of a true inheritor. But if it did infect my body with joy or swell my thoughts to any strain of pride, if any rebel or vain spirit of mine did with the least affection of a welcome give entertainment to the might of it, let God forever keep it from my head and make me as the poorest vassal is that doth with awe and terror, awe and terror kneel to it. King, O oh my son, God put it in thy mind to take it hence. That thou mightest win the more thy father's love, pleading so wildly in excuse of it. Come hither, Harry, sit thou by my bed, and here I think the very late, the very latest, latest counsel that ever I shall breathe. The prince rises from his knees and sits near the bed. Uh, back to the text, uh, Henry IV continues to speak. God knows my son by what bypass and indirect crooked ways I met this crown. Okay, so he's uh, indirect, crooked ways, so uh, he's admitting that he stole the crown. Uh, back to the text. And I myself know well how troublesome it sat upon my head. To thee it shall descend with better quiet, better opinion, better confirmation. For all the soil of the achievement goes with me into the earth. Okay, so his, his uh, thieving of the crown is going to go with him to the grave. Back to the text. It seemed in me, but as an honor snatched with boisterous hand, and I had many living to upbraid my gain of it by their assistances, which daily grew to quarrel and to bloodshed, wounding supposed peace. Okay, there he's referencing to his uh, uh, his helpers. Um, they were reminding him that he stole the crown and wanting reward, and then it, uh, that eventually grew into uh, rebellion. All these bold fears that see us with peril, I have answered for all my reign hath been but as a scene acting that argument, and now my death changes the mood. For what in me was purchased falls upon thee in a more fair sort. So thou the garland wearest successively. Okay, that's so, so his succession. He garland, he wears it successively. He takes it peacefully from his father. Back to the text. Yet though thou standest more sure than I could do, 
Thou art not firm enough, since griefs are green, and all my friends, which thou must make thy friends, have but their stings and teeth newly tanged out by those fell working, by whose fell working I was first advanced, and by whose power I well might lodge a fear to be again displaced, which to avoid I cut them off, and had a purpose now to lead out many to the holy land, lest rest and lying still might make them look too near into my state. Okay, so he's saying that uh, he was proposing the crusade to keep his uh, his followers busy and not uh, plotting other revolts. Therefore, my Harry, be thy course to busy giddy minds with foreign quarrels, that action, hence borne out, may waste the memory of the former days. More would I, but my lungs are wasted so that strength of speech is utterly denied me. How I came by the crown, no oh God forgive, and grant... It may with thee in true peace live. Okay, so um, he's advising his son there to keep everyone busy with foreign wars, which, of course, uh, uh, Henry will do when he becomes Henry V, but not in a crusade, at least not to the Holy Land. Back to the text. My prince, my gracious liege, you won it, wore it, kept it, gave it me. Then plain and right must my possession be which I, with more than with a common pain, against all the world, will rightfully maintain. Okay, so he's going to be determined to keep the crown, because he won it fairly, gave it to him. Um, and he seems to be also uh, trying to give his father some peace of mind that, uh, uh, you know, he didn't do all bad when he took the crown. He said, you won it, wore it, kept it, gave it me. And those are very, very strong words there that Shakespeare used here, action words, so to speak. One war kept gave. And so then uh, the prince concludes, plain and right must his possession be. Enter John of Lancaster and others, king. Look, look, here comes my John of Lancaster. John of Lancaster, health, peace, and happiness to my royal father, king. Thou brings me happiness and peace, son John, but health alack with youthful wings is flown from this bare withered trunk. Upon thy sight my worldly business makes a period. Where's my lord of Warwick? Prince, my lord of Warwick, enter Warwick, king. Doth any name particular belong unto the lodging where I first did swoon? Warwick, tis called Jerusalem, my noble lord, king. Laud be to God. Even there, even there my life must end. It hath been prophesied to me many years. I should not die but in Jerusalem, which vainly I suppose the holy land. But bear me to that chamber, there I'll lie, and that Jerusalem shall Harry die. They exit. Okay, so uh, uh, it's an inn, and it's called uh, Jerusalem. And so uh, Harry said, hey, I thought I was going to die in a crusade and, uh, in Jerusalem. But he says, nope, it's going to be going to be in an inn. So the king seems to accept that. We now go to the last act, Act 5, Scene 1, Enter Shallow, Falstaff, Page, and Bartolf. Shallow, by cock and pipe, sir, you shall not away tonight. What, Davy? I say, Falstaff, you must excuse me, Master Robert Shallow. Shallow, I will not excuse you. You shall not be excused. Excuses shall not be admitted. There is no excuse shall serve. You shall not be excused. Why, Davy? Enter Davy. Davy, here, sir. Shallow, Davy, 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 Davy. Let me see, Davy, let me see, Davy, let me see. Yea, Mary, William Cook, William Cook, bid him come hither. Sir John, you shall not be excused, Davy. Mary, sir, thus, 
those precepts cannot be served. And again, sir, shall we sow the hayed land with wheat? Shall it with red wheat, Davy? But for William Cook, are there no young pigeons? Davy, yes, sir. Here's now the Smith's note for shoeing and plow irons. He gives shallow paper. Shall let it be cast and paid. Sir John, you shall not be excused. Davy, now, sir, a new link to the bucket must be had. And, sir, do you mean to stop any of William's wages about the sack he lost the other day at Hinckley Fair? Shall He shall answer it. Some pigeons, David, a couple of short-legged hens, a joint of mutton, and any pretty little uh, kickshaws. Tell William Cook. Shall and Davy walk aside. Davy, doth the man of war stay all night, sir? Shall, yea, Davy, I will use him well. A friend of the court is better than a penny in the purse. Uh, it sounds like a proverb. A friend in the court is better than a penny in the purse. Of course, we're going to see how that works out. Back to the text. Use this man well, Davy, for there are errant knaves and will backbite. Davy, no worse than they are backbitten, sir, but they have marvelous foul linen. Okay, so that's uh, lice, apparently. We're, we're eating them on their backs too, because of their foul clothes. Shallow. Well conceited, Davy. About thy bruises, Davy. Um, okay, so about thy business, excuse me, about thy business, Davy. Davy, I beseech you, sir, to countenance uh, William Visor of Wancott against Clement Perks of the Hill. Shall there's many complaints, Davy, against that visor. That visor is an errant knave on my knowledge. Davy, I grant your worship that he is a knave, but yet God forbid, but a knave should have some countenance at his friend's request. An honest man, sir, is able to speak for himself when a knave is not. I served your worship worship truly, sir, this eight years, and I cannot once or twice in a quarter bear out a knave against an honest man. I have but a very little credit with your worship. The knave is mine honest friend, sir. Therefore, I beseech you to let him be countenanced. So Davy's pleading for uh, his friend who uh, was a knave, but he's saying, well, you know, honest men don't need anybody to plead for him, but knaves do. Shall I go to, I say, he shall have no wrong. Look about, Davy. Davy exits. Where are you, Sir John? Come, 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 off with your boots. Give me your hand, Master Bartoff. Bartoff, I'm glad to see your worship. Shallow. I thank thee with all my heart, kind Master Bartoff, to page. Welcome, my tall fellow. Come, Sir John, Falstaff. I'll follow you, good Master Robert Shallow. Shallow exits. Bartoff, look to our horses. Bartoff and page exit. Falstaff continues. If I were sawed into quantities, I should make four dozen of such bearded hermit staves as Master Shallow. It is a wonderful thing to see the semblance coherence of his men's spirits and his. They, by observing of him, do bear themselves like foolish justices. He, by conversing with them, is turned into a justice-like serving man. Their spirits are so married in conjunction with the participation of society. They flock together and consent like so many wild geese. If I had a suit to Master Shallow, I would humor his men with the imputation of being near their master. If to his men, I would curry with Master Shallow that no man could better command his servants. It is certain that either wise-bearing or ignorant carriage is caught as men take diseases one of another. Therefore, let men take heed of their company. I will devise matter enough out of this Shallow to keep Prince Harry in continual laughter, the wearing out of six fashions, which is four terms or two actions, and he shall laugh without intervallums. Okay, so Falstaff is using some legal terms there. Uh, changing fashions were very much a thing at court, um, and still our fashions change uh, frequently. Uh, four terms, six fashions, four terms have be legal terms, um, which I think was like half a year, or two actions, uh, like a legal action. 
uh, intervallums. I'm not sure what that is, but it's bound to be a legal term. Back to the text. Oh, it is much that a lie with a slight oath and a jest with a sad brow will do for a fellow that never had the ache in his shoulders. Oh, you shall see him laugh till his face be like a wet cloak ill laid up. Shallow with it. Sir John. Falstaff. I come, Master Shallow. I come, Master Shallow. He exits. Scene two. Enter Warwick and Lord Chief Justice. Warwick. How now, my Lord Chief Justice? Whither away? Chief Justice. How doth the king? Warwick. Exceeding well. His cares are now all ended. Chief Justice. I hope not dead. Warwick. He's walked the way of nature, and to our purposes he lives no more. Chief Justice. I would his majesty had called me with him, and the service that I truly did his life hath left me open to all injuries. So the Chief Justice is afraid that now that uh, King is dead, um, the enemies of the Chief Justice uh, will be able to take uh, revenge on him because apparently uh, King Henry protected him when he was alive. Warwick, indeed, I think the young king loves you, you not, because that would be uh, uh, Prince Hal now, Henry V, Chief Justice. I know that he doth not, and do arm myself to welcome the condition of the time, which cannot look more hideously upon me than I have drawn it in my fantasy. So he's saying, oh yeah, he knows that uh, Henry hates him, but can't be any worse than he's already thought it would be. Enter John, Thomas, and Humphrey Warwick. Here come the heavy issue of dead Harry. Okay, the heavy issue, that's, uh, that's his sons um, who were all sad. Uh, Back to the text. So that the living Harry had the temper of he the worst of these three gentlemen. How many nobles that should hold their places that must strike sail to spirits of vile sort. Okay, so Warwick saying that uh, Henry's going to let in all the reprobates. Chief Justice. Oh God, I fear all will be overturned. John of Lancaster. Good morrow, cousin Warwick. Good morrow. Humphrey Gloucester, Thomas of Clarence. Good morrow, cousin, John of Lancaster. We meet like men that had forgot to speak, Warwick. We do remember, but our argument is all too heavy to admit much talk, John of Lancaster. Well, peace be with him that hath made us heavy. So uh, he's saying this, his father, and then may he be rest in peace. Chief Justice, peace be with us, lest we be heavier. Humphrey of Gloucester. Oh, good, my lord, you have lost a friend indeed, and I dare swear you borrowed not that face of seeming sorrow. It is sure your own. John of Lancaster to the Chief Justice. Though no man be assured what grace to find, you stand in coldest expectation. I am the sorrower. Would twere otherwise. Okay, so John, uh, who, of course, is the brother of Prince Hal, is saying to the Chief Justice, um, you're, you're probably in for it. That's coldest expectation. And he, he wished that it wasn't otherwise. Thomas of Clarence. Well, you must now speak, Sir John Falstaff Fair, which swims against your stream of quality, Chief Justice. Sweet princes, what I did, I did in honor, led by the impartial conduct of my soul. And never shall you see that I will beg a ragged and forestalled remission. If truth and upright innocency fail me, I'll to the king, my master that is dead and tell him who has sent me after him. So Chief Justice expects to maybe be killed, but he'll, he'll when he is, um, he'll tell uh, Henry IV, I guess I'll meet him in heaven, and, uh, and tell him uh, what happened. 
Enter the prince as Henry V and Blunt. Warwick, here comes the prince, Chief Justice. Good morrow and God save your majesty. Prince or Henry V, I all call him that now. This new and gorgeous garment majesty sits not so easy on me as you think. Brothers, you mix your sadness with some fear. Okay, so he sees that they're afraid of what's going to happen. This is the English, not the Turkish court. Okay, in the Turkish court, when the new uh, sultan uh, took over, he had his entire family killed, all his brothers. And since his father had many wives, that was a good, good many people that were going to die. So he says, uh, we're Englishmen, though. We're not Turks. We don't, I won't kill my brothers. Not Amarath, and Amarath succeeds, but Henry, but Harry, Harry. Yet be sad, good brothers, for by my faith, it, it, very, it very well becomes you. Sorrow so royally in you appears that I will deeply put the fashion on and wear it in my heart. Why then be sad, but entertain no more of it, good brothers, than a joint burden laid upon us all. For me, by heaven, I bid you be assured. I'll be your father and your brother too. Let me but bear your love, I'll bear your cares. You weep that Harry's dead, and so will I. But Harry lives that should convert the, the, those tears by number into hours of happiness. Brothers, we hope no otherwise from your majesty. Prince, you all look strangely on me to the Chief Justice, and you most. You are, I think, assured I love you not. Chief Justice, I am assured, if I be measured rightly, your majesty hath no just cause to hate me. Okay, so let's pick up there next time. I think we may get to the end of the play and begin uh, Henry V. And I think we'll see what happens to Falstaff also in the next episode. But until then, adieu.